0: Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. That's the Nepalese Meditation Bowl with a little help from Big Ben. Uh, And that's chiming, and it means it's time for the art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, and whether you are a Madison Avenue retailer trying to compliment your physical and online stores, or whether you're an underappreciated paralegal in Parsippany, aching for some sort of job jumpstart, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help you and your career get going. Today's episode is entitled Building Socially Responsible Businesses, and we'll discuss what it means to be a socially responsible firm, to uh, why it profits employees in the community, and why CFOs are so fixated uh, on the bottom line and find that the social responsibility is something that boosts it mightily. Joining us today, we are very privileged to have as guest the the fun Alexandra LeJoux, (laughs) who holds a very intriguing senior staff position at the National Association for Corporate Directors. I'm going to keep you in suspense on that for a moment. (laughs) She is a major contributing authority to Prometheus Publishing's Behind Every Successful Woman is Herself and also to our Art of the CEO book. And... um, She uh, is an authority on the world of corporate directors, and she's just come up with her latest book, one of several, The Art of Bank M&A, Mergers and Acquisitions. She's an amazing lady with civility, erudition, and a razor-sharp business sense, and we're going to introduce her in just a minute. But before we delve into today's rich feast of wit and wisdom, let me take a few moments to supply you out there with a few utensils for our feast. First, as I always do, Allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself, the most important corporate body in your life. Today, will you race a little harder along the old routine track, or will you pause on this Ash Wednesday and reflect and step off into some new, more enjoyable direction? The choice is truly yours. Secondly, it is time to dip into uh, a little after and take a scriptural recitation from 101 Best Business Scripts. So let me pick up the, the little book here. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is 28. I love this. This is a good, good I just want to see one. Donut and ice cream chain stores flourish worldwide, but where is one thriving spinach or broccoli chain? Our afterthought on this is that fortunes are made by selling folks what they want, not what they need. If your product demands discipline, you either better make it fun or convince the buyer that it places her among the envied elite. And the third utensil, uh, perhaps we should call this the slurp spoon, uh, will give you the answers of last week's business quotation. Today, before we leave uh, the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email the name of whom you think the author is. Uh, you just simply write info at com, info at b a r t s b o o k s dot com. Write down the, the uh, name, the uh, quotation as you remember it, and put in who you think the author is. And the author of last week's quotation was the individual who said, it's the job of the CEO to face reality. Somebody in this darn plant has to do it. That was said by Estee Lauder's own former CEO, Bill Lauder, the leader who helped explode that firm's brand numbers uh, and brand profits exponentially. So now let us dig into today's feast and allow me to introduce to you Ms. Alexandra LeJoux, Chief Knowledge Officer of the National Association of Corporate Directors and the author of several books, uh, including her latest, The Art of Bank M&A, and One Heck of a Fine Gospel Singer. You should go look Uh for her records. Uh, Alex, how are you doing on this lovely sunny Ash Wednesday?
1: I'm just great, and my ashes have already faded away since I went to Mass at 6.30, but I'm so glad you gave a plug for for the big day, the start of Lent. <laughs> yes, right. It's a little Thank more fun, uh-huh. to the spirit of your uh, ice cream example. I had plenty of candy yesterday.
0: Oh, yes. I, uh, I tried to give up fidelity for Lent, but my wife would have none of it. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> um, my uh, Alex, your title, the chief knowledge officer, is a bit unusual. Now, I have known the chief know-it-alls in many of my favorite after-hour <laughs> watering holes. Are you the chief know-it-all of the NACD? Is that what you are?
1: That is a great question. The- I, I... <laughs> Actually, I try to keep up the pretense of knowing everything. And it helps that I telecommute so that Excellent. I can use Google. But uh, fortunately, uh-huh. I, I, having been working 24-7 almost, not 24-7, but at least between Monday and Friday, in business, uh-huh. I I have retained some in, uh, more information than the average millennial, so I, I can pretty much pass for a knowledgeable person. Thank goodness.
0: Ah, oh, yes. Well, uh, as... Uh, As they say, in the new age, in the spirit of the new age, image is everything or uh, whatever, (laughs) even though we all know it's not true. Uh, But all seriousness aside, uh, the chief knowledge officer is something I want all our listeners to consider well. Whether you're an employee seeking a senior staff voice or whether you're a company uh, that might be looking for its benefits, Alex, how can a CKO enhance a firm and what do I need to bring to the position
1: it's very interesting it's a It's a title I gave myself with the permission uh-huh. of our CEO. I had read about this position while doing some research for the late great Arthur Anderson and had learned that this was a very oh, yes. popular title among very big companies back in the in the early 1990s. The, oh. the position though is is beautifully ambiguous you don't have to be an it yeah. expert you don't have to be a lawyer right. you don't have to be an accountant and so forth but you do have to have a lively interest in the knowledge base of the company, both in terms of its mm. human resources, what they know, what they need to know, what they need to learn, and then in terms of its customers, what they need to know, what they need to learn. And simply having that lively interest and that open mind and that ability to marshal resources uh, helps one live up to the claim of chief knowledge officer. A- at the same time, mm. one is expected to know something oneself. So,
0: which is why I'm <laughs> always tethered to, do a to computer. the computer. Right. So you're there to feed me, the, 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 to feed the CEO, what she needs when she needs it, and uh, the CEO the certainly, as well as
1: members that, and staff. Yes.
0: Right. I see. Um, okay. Now I've I, I, uh, I've heard you say that smart corporate directors should want to be responsible. Could you just um, Give, a, give us an example. What do you mean by a socially responsible company? Uh, give us an example and uh, or a definition, and then perhaps an example.
1: Well, thank you, Bart. Well, first of all, I'm a I'm a capitalist. I believe in free enterprise. I love uh, the uh-huh. idea of uh, innovation, uh, uh, uh-huh. jobs, and so forth. So what businesses do is intrinsically ethical, intrinsically moral. If all they did was offer a good product at a fair price and employ people, they they will go to heaven. They're, they're socially responsible right then and there. The thing right. is, right. I
0: see. Two,
1: two dimensions. One is that to those to whom much is given, much is expected. So that the better a company is at at doing these basic things, such as delivering a, a profit and, and distributing dividends to shareholders, having a share price appreciation, having sustainable employment, the better they are, the more prosperous they become. And then the more is expected of them and really do of them for sharing their excess with society so that not only the company is sustainable, but society itself, the surrounding communities are sustainable, and that is a long-term investment in the company's own future. It's, it's
0: Right.: Yeah
1: okay. I, I would not ask so a new to... company to just automatically start giving heavily to charity, because that could drive the company into insolvency. But a highly profitable right. company would be only wise to do so.
0: Okay, I I I see what you're saying that there is there is the long-term investment, but Alex, let's get real here. My community is my shareholders. They're the the society that I'm responsible to. I launch this firm. I sit on or I sit on the board to make money. Yeah, I'd love to save the world, but first let me save this darn company. I'm talking money here. Now, am I right or am I wrong? And that's why I'm here. Right?
1: It's interesting that there is no easy answer. There is the idea that shareholders do deserve the first fruits of company productivity – my theory is that it almost relates to the idea of the God's preferential love for the poor. Why? The shareholders, are in a sense, poorer than the others because they have no labor law protections. They have no uh, contractual protections, unlike, let's say, the bank lender. So they're, they're literally right. vulnerable and poor, which is why we need to put them first in so many ways and make sure that, that, that even though we don't owe them anything per se, I mean shareholders are not, never guaranteed a return, we need to make that good faith effort and there's a lot of, of, of jurisprudence that supports that. However, the 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 more long-term a shareholder is, and the more major a shareholder's investment is, the more the shareholder understands that it's very important for the corporation to serve its other stakeholders, including employees, creditors, communities. Aww. At, at customers and so forth, All of which, which is makes part the, of the company responsibility sustainable.
0: Is what you're saying?
1: It, it, it is. That that's perceived as, as as being in the social responsibility space. But the new buzzword now is called shared value. It's something that Michael Porter of Harvard oh. started, and it's really caught right. on. And there are about 50 companies that are using this language, and they're really saying that it's it's almost impossible to separate. Profitable operations from responsible operations—the one entails the other. It's—it's—it's it's, it's rather what you're mystical is the language. Buck to make but once is once we get the hang of it, I think it's a good one. What's
0: that? Is, what you're saying is the easiest buck to make is an honest buck, or or what? I mean, is it uh, It's—it's honestly—it's
1: also a certain measure of 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 oh, let's say emotional intelligence, where you okay. you, you you want to empathize with. how how your customer perceives you, how your employee perceives you, how they experience you, and so that you're... There's a lot of language about a tone at the top and so forth. Uh, But the idea is that the ethics imbue the company.
0: Well, ah, there you have it. uh, This is something that uh, you you can create. You can create an ethical stance, but you cannot create... A a good reputation, uh, you must you must live it. You must own it.
1: Yes, Alex, that's it. You, marketing. Leaders, you can't dump it on marketing. You have to do. You have to take no. the actions.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, today's business leaders are, uh, in a very real sense, this nation's new mobility. The CEOs and directors are really a class of people. They're the people who are developing our country, our culture, they're funding our artistic ventures, uh, they're setting forth uh, our stance toward our land use and everything else. They are also something very interesting in our culture. Uh, they have become the heroes. They're not like in Days of Old When Nights are Around. Children don't want to huh. bloodlet their way to the top. Uh, instead, they want to Bill Gates or Warren Buffett their way to success. Business leaders are the ones who have so. Therefore, they've got both the capability and the limelight. So yeah. um, I, what I'd like you yeah. to do is wave your wand, Miss LeJoux. And huh. what is what is the attitude you want to see uh business leaders, the CEOs and directors take. What 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 do you see as, as where would you like them to stand in their personal view of things?
1: Well I think that it's interesting that you put CEOs and directors together. Uh, I tend to, to see them in different lights. I I, okay. I Despite the fact that for 30 years, my salary has been paid by the National Association of Corporate Directors, which is all about independent right. individuals uh-huh. serving yeah. on boards, and Must to some extent advising young. the CEO. We were about eight yeah, when you started? <laughs> no, no, no. They advise the CEO, oh, okay. uh, and they also ahead. monitor the CA and so forth. Many of them are, are former CEOs, but they really put on that director hat, and they become substantially different people. We want this. So right. I'm going to focus, because of, of, of your audience, I'm going to focus really on the CEO, even though my expertise lies right. a little bit more in the director domain but CEOs are the they they're the single most important drivers of company value from um, whether it's oh, a small private well, company boy. or a large public company the, the, the CEO I cannot emphasize enough the importance of the CEO the CEO is as you said the example to to others in society at large as well as to employees of of. of Business behavior. The CEOs uh, set the strategy. The CEOs build the teams. The CEOs encourage innovation. The CEOs, it's it, you know, I'm not sure who said it, uh, the, that history is the length and the shadow of a man. I, it
0: right, now yes. that's
1: through a man or a woman. That is the CEO. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of the CEO. Now I did say team, so obviously the CEO doesn't do everything, but if you have the right ceo and that uh, including the ability to to build a team and including the ability to to let go when the time comes you have almost right. a guarantee of corporate success
0: i okay i think i think you're right that if you get if you follow if you can get the team following the right beacon and the beacon shines uh not only uh, accurately, but it shines brightly. You've got to make yourself known. It is yes. part of the CEO's job to not just be uh, caring, giving, pure, uh, profit-making, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. He's got to show yes. himself. Yes,
1: exactly. That. Don't hide your light under and, a bushel. Uh,
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, there is one other little thought I just mentioned is that the uh, in the Fortune 500, uh, World. The average CEO is 55 years of age, and um, which is 10 years younger than the average board member. And uh, I'm just uh, just a quick question, sort of hmm. within the rhyme of, of of your stance and social responsibility. If that's a generation in business, do you see a difference? You deal with both. Do you see a difference yourself in that 10 years, the 55 versus 65?
1: Well, it's it's interesting. You're you're absolutely right about that. That sweet spot for the CEO age, boards, the ideal board is going to have a diversity of ages. So we are the boards should ideally have a a number of of people in their fifties, a handful of people maybe in their early seventies, late sixties, averaging maybe Uh sixty-two or so. The idea is to have a diversity of age, but the personality, the average, archetype, so the union you're archetype, is the same. Let your average roll around 65
0: <laughs> to make a spread. I...
1: Yeah, but but so and and the persona is the wiser, older, more experienced person who doesn't isn't grasping for power, grasping for fame, but who can be selfless and 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 mentor the CEO. So yes, there's a difference. The CEO is is the one. Uh, leading the charge out there and has to be to some degree interested in his or her own legacy, uh, the world <laughs> understanding his or her values and has to be, to some degree, individualistic at the same time, setting a stamp, but building a team, relating to the board. The board is extremely selfless. The board is collective. Everybody on a board is paid exactly the same rate. Minutes are extremely minimal. They never have mentioned names. So you'll never have a famous director. We go around behind the scenes and try to identify stars, but it's very difficult. Directors are a collective, so they're almost like an ant colony, whereas the CEO is like a peacock. And it should be that way. we
0: won't talk. Yeah, I think, there's, I think there's a few peacocks in the ant farm, uh, Alex. That's why God made proxy. There battles. shouldn't be. But uh, but the riches anyway, are fiduciary. I, I, They're
1: selfless fiduciaries.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll good for you, and, and here, ladies and gentlemen, is a woman who has seen more of it than you think, so do not let the Hollywood images overwhelm you, here you're now getting a straight dope, and for, uh, who, or at least she's talking to a straight dope, one of those, I don't know, anyway, uh, Alex, I'm I'd Mr. like dope. to uh, take a moment, if I may, where... Um, I want to go on and discuss your new book. But first, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've come to the midpoint of our feast, and so I'd like us to take a brief survey if we would. It is time to introduce the company, by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing. They are the creator of, among many other uh, divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. You may visit them at www.bartsbooks.com bartsbooks. dot com and explore a wide wealth of business tools. And if you need better business tools in your life, go to the site. Or perhaps you are already an authority in one field, and what you really need is to have that your authority established and your expertise known, for the sake of clients uh, and for the sake of peers. Go. We invite you to visit the site. And one other thing, we ask. Uh, is that if you really do like the business quips, you can of course buy the book on the site, but you, or you can subscribe to them weekly for free. That's com and we hope you all take a look and like what you enjoy. Alex, uh, let's get uh, let's get back to you, and let's now talk a little bit uh, about your book you've just written, um, a book about a group of folks who are renowned for not being overly socially responsible, your art of bank mergers and acquisitions. Uh, aren't banks, uh, we just came out of a whole period of them being the real bad guys. Are they still the bad guys? And aren't, and aren't the, all these mergers just mere vehicles for greed or not?
1: Wow. Well, I can see the potential for banks to re- Havoc on society and the potential For mergers to do so as well But I see more examples Of good banks And good mergers than I do Of the opposite I do think that the bad Uh banks and the bad mergers Are the exceptions to the rule And all the books I've written On mergers, I've written about 12 In the past 30 years, have been Focusing on how to do mergers Well, in terms of banks Just a small hair to split And that is, there are commercial banks, which take deposits and make loans, and then there are other kinds of banks. There are mortgage bankers, there are credit card providers, there are investment banks, and so forth. And the focus of our book, and I did co-author it with Dennis Uh Roberts, is on those good, old-fashioned commercial banks, many of which are community Uh banks. They're very small, and they don't get involved in Wall Street at all, and all they do is make Good solid business loans—they're the lifeblood of communities. And the sad truth is that they've been disappearing. There were sixteen thousand in the early '80s; now it's down to sixty-five hundred. We—we've got to stop the—the—and—and and this is why. When—when when they do get acquired, it, well, and Alice, they do Why is yes. there,
0: why the why the downturn? Why why the—is uh, it because they've all merged together? <laughs> no. Why why uh, the the smaller numbers? What's happening? What's the, you know there are many theories,
1: Bart. Yeah, that's a great question. There tends to be, in in business in general, a constant theme of consolidation, consolidation, consolidation. it has to do with cost, cost allocation. It's just there are certain fixed costs that you can eliminate if you combine with someone else. And if you do it well, you can keep that small-town feeling, you can keep that local flavor. The problem is, as we all know, everything becomes very much like a chain, loses its spark, loses its humanity, all of a sudden, you don't know the bankers anymore. They won't give you a loan, and that's the tragedy. And that's something that I've always written against, whatever the industrial sector, whatever the merger phase, to respect local communities and traditions, company traditions, and entrepreneurial legacies, and so forth. A lot of our listeners, are actually, are sure, CEOs I think that's, who
0: are entrepreneurs. Yeah. I, I do think you're right. It can be done. I've talked to a fellow, Herb Ames, who started something called First Choice Banks in New Jersey here. And go. Uh, they go to uh, – he helps. His, uh, the whole reason for his starting the bank was, was to help those who couldn't get a loan. I've, yeah. um, and you're saying that the, the community banks are not merely little vultures in training, uh, but they no. are part of the socially fabric. And, um, they are. They're very important. Yeah, why Why are community banks so important?
1: They're extremely important because, well, money makes the world go round. People, individuals oh, need money to to, to start homes, pleasure, to, to fund. Yes, absolutely. And then businesses need need money to, to proceed. It's interesting that only when commercial banks cannot satisfy the financial needs of companies do companies have to turn to equity, and, and only when that becomes exhausted? Do they have to go to become public companies and then get all the regulation? Speaking of regulation, that's another yeah, reason yeah. that community banks suffered. There's been over-regulation. If a big bank does something wrong, suddenly there's a law that's against all the banks, including the small ones, and then they suffer. They've got so much paperwork.
0: This, and oh, if, if, if so you have sorry, flat interest rates, how are you going to make
1: a buck? Yeah. How are you going to make a buck? If, if interest rates are only 1%,
0: it's, you know, you know, it, I don't it know how they do it. I mean, the, the, Law is a blanket, and this is the tough part about it. You need law, but at the same time, law is a blanket, and it covers
1: mm-hmm. everybody,
0: and it, it makes it very difficult. You know, I have I have a little habit. I do a little thing. Every time I see a commercial banker of any size, uh, I always go up to her, and I say, I ask, do you lend to entrepreneurs? Now, occasionally amid her but most of them uh most bankers start to squirm and they recall and they say back, oh, "Well, yes, yes, I recall we ref- we uh funded a startup back in '02, you know." And I said, "Well, mm. thank you very much, sir." And uh does uh now you need startups to to help growth. Uh you you must have uh does does the merging and acquiring uh Does this give the entrepreneur, the startup, a better chance going to his community bank or not? What do you think? Or does it make any
1: difference? Well, the standard wisdom is that it's easier to get a loan from a a small independent community bank uh, founded by a a, a, a town father than it is a a bank that used to be a community bank but is now part of a larger bank because of all the policies that come down from headquarters. So this is why I... Uh, I, I haven't been a big gung-ho pro-bank merger person. I'm, I'm fighting to make sure that when a community bank is acquired, that it's able to negotiate so that it protects its own po- lending policies. Because, you know, no, nothing, no, good, good local loan officers can really make a lot of money for, for the uh, shareholders of a bank because they know how to right. judge character. And uh,
0: ah, yes. the day this that is, entrepreneurial is loans fizzle out, we're character. all doomed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: uh, that's very good. Before I, I have another question, but I want to make sure that, uh, Alex, how can people get hold of your book? Oh, that, that, I want to make so sure. good. Well, where can they find <laughs> it, and how can they snap up many copies to give to their friends?
1: Desperly. Oh, you're so kind. Well, I have a very unusual name. It's spelled L-A-J-O-U-X. Lajoux. There are very few oh, of us in the world. You. It's my married name. But if you go to Amazon and you just type in Alexandra Lajoux, you'll hit all my books, and you can you can find the oh. one of interest. They're all quite similar. They're, they all have M and A in the title because it's a series from McGraw Hill, Mergers and Acquisitions. And we do uh, we have books I call give us, call us a couple the of books the other on...
0: titles, Alex. Give oh my goodness!
1: I don't want to put you to sleep. The Art of M and A financing, the art of M&A due diligence, the art of M&A strategy, the art of M&A integration, the art of M&A valuation, and then the art of distressed M&A, the art of bank M&A, and so forth. I see a trend here. Book.
0: I see a trend here. Right? <laughs> uh, uh, then give me one, okay, before we leave, give me a wrap-up. I am seeking to acquire a business, uh, I'm seeking, what, give me one, one good good thought that I should should go over and think about now. If, if I'm looking into an acquisition, one mm-hmm. uh, or two oh, yeah. really things right to get my mind straight. All right, good you tell tip me right
1: here. It's all about valuation, all right. and the, the mm-hmm. best book on it is by Shannon Pratt. It's called "Just Valuation oh. of, of of Business Valuation." Valuation oh, okay. is everything. Sure. You'd be amazed. Oh. This is what I keep telling all my relatives who are entrepreneurs. Your business has value. It doesn't it – doesn't, yeah. it, it, and valuation is a beautiful thing. I could talk about valuation. We'll have to do a separate show on valuation. But oh, I can. T- every single yeah. entrepreneur has something worth selling. It's worth a fortune, hmm. and they just need to see it. Because money – value of a company is not just what's it, the cash in the bank. It's not just the patents you own. It's not just the real estate you own. It's not just the leases you have. It's thousands of other things, and Shannon Pratt's book is so good at capturing that. Customer list, reputation, media hits, uh, uh, websites owned, oh. well, and so forth. So, All right. Uh, I yeah, it's it, you any you business said, wow, has I, I, all right, yes, it has you set value. me
0: on the path here. I've, I've been writing down, scribbling all these things, and, and <laughs> I may even surprise my wife. To, she says I have no value whatsoever, but maybe she could find <laughs> some in our company. She's, I told you that she's the one who sharpens all the stumps around our property, so I can't sit down. Anyway, Alex, <laughs> this has been wonderful. Uh, I'm afraid we have, we're rounding out, we're coming to the end of our, of our far too brief time together. Will you come <laughs> back on again?
1: I would love to. Let's talk about valuation next time. All (laughs) right,
0: we'll do that. All right, I'm going to sign off very shortly here. So thank you very much, Alex. And as I, uh, this next, our last quote of the day uh, was what business leader said. I wanted to put a ding in the universe, and the hint is he certainly did. Finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, anger is a reaction to the last event, uh, to a past event that in no way changes his outcome. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you. It has been a privilege. Good
1: afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. All righty.